Anthony Bass's tweet from a day ago, or maybe it was two days ago. It was a uh, great win. Does anybody have a body I can borrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... When will we learn? When yeah. will we learn? <laughs> N- next no, year. Uh, and then next year. We'll numbers. Next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> next year, next year, next year. <laughs> We speculate, why did Charlie Montoyo do that? And it turns out, Josh, maybe we don't want the answer. And welcome to episode number 182 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we've got all of the lights pointed directly at the catcher's signals. I am joined by the ever-present Joshua Housem and the intermittently present Nick Dyka. Uh, Josh, how's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Nick, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks. Meaningful September baseball. Who thought it? Uh, people who are fans of teams other than the Blue Jays in many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> but now it is upon our shores, gentlemen. What what are we going Ooh. to do? What are we going to do with meaningful September baseball where 16 teams make the playoff? Pull all our hair out because the Jays keep finding ways to make games really close that don't need to be. Um, yeah. So if you see a bald man around town, that could be Josh. You should introduce yourself. Uh, okay. So quickly, this week we have the Oscar Hernandez uh, offensive powerhouse is on the injured list. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. though has stepped in by becoming uh, player of the week. Not to say that Travis Shaw and Rowdy Tellez and, and lots of other people are not making contributions. Uh, we're going to talk about pitching because that's the other end of this strange equation that has brought the Blue Jays into second place in the American League East. Uh, we have uh, we have some review of some questionable strategies and, and tactical uh, attempts, both by people out in the field and by the manager running things. Uh, we have an injury update for you, which is the good kind, uh, where people are look like they're going to come back to the fold. We have your questions, of course. And then we have a do-over for the esteemed... I don't know who esteems him, but it's probably not us. Um, Charlie Montoyo. Uh, I'm sure we have some final thoughts and such all peppered in there. So we begin with the uh, insert sad trombone sound here. Teoscar Hernandez swinging a little bit too hard, apparently. Right, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he got injured on a swing, so it fits. We still don't actually know the extent of the injury to Teoscar Hernandez because the MRI couldn't be done because there was too much swelling, which is never really what you want to hear. When... <laughs> that's horrible, <laughs> no, that, that's, that's clearly benign. <laughs> <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't find your rib. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, it really sucks because... I mean, Teoscar Hernandez hasn't slowed at all. He's really worth carrying the offense. I mean, even just in September, he has two home runs and he's hitting 350 with a 650 slugging. And, you know, he's taking walks. He's not striking out as much. He's looked like a really much improved player. And he was the best hitter. And now the hope is just really that he can come back in time for the postseason. Yeah. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. Um I am impressed by the fact that we got um, we got success even after losing Bo Bichette and then success after losing 
Teoscar Hernandez. So I suppose, Nick, that the team, for once, seems to be one of those teams that tries to, you know, pick one another up and somehow manages to rally around a gap in the lineup. What was the last Blue Jays team that you remember that did this? Or has there ever been one? Well, I mean, probably the last good teams, right, in uh, 2015 and 16. Probably more so 15 because 16 was kind of built around the pitching staff and and a couple good hitters. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, put another way, rallying uh, around each other is is kind of, you know, a way of saying they have a bunch of players who are capable of being good hitters. You know, we've seen stretches like this from, from Lourdes Gurriel before, um, you know, Rowdy's still young and is, um, you know, hopefully turned a corner. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is, is just the Jays lineup is a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, acquiring Villar, I think helps too, cause he's a solid major league bat. You know, he's not spectacular, but um, you know, he's better than, than a lot of players and yeah as long as you know there's still some pixie dust on joe panic keep running him out there too yeah well and it's funny you mentioned panic right because he's just been incredible for the last few days but that and that's kind of thing it's like shaw's been really good over the last few games fisher's been really solid you know in fewer games for fisher than the other guys but i mean joseph who was added to the roster because Maurice McGuire had three hits all season, he had a home run in his first start, Caleb Joseph. So it's kind of been up and down the lineup that people have stepped up. And, you know, especially because like guys like Biggio, Grichuk, they've been really slumping lately. So these other guys stepping up in the absence of Teoscar Hernandez has been huge. I think I've mentioned it because it always seems like Tampa Bay calls some guy up or signs some guy off the waiver wire, plugs him in, and he immediately wakes up. Or, you know, someone uh, someone is an injury replacement on the Yankees and they spend three weeks setting the world on fire. I, I think we're just sort of not used to it. And it's always been like, you know, that we thought that the Blue Jays got decent players who might be able to fill a role at the very least. And then there's a lot of kind of, oh, well, that guy really was done. We didn't know he was done that done. Um, so it's a pleasant surprise for me as a, as a fan. Yeah, it's nice. So uh, moving on to guys who've picked it up, I, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. today was announced as the, I believe, co-AL Player of the Week, which uh, I'm going to guess just randomly Josh has the specific numbers on that he's just happened to pull up in front of him. <laughs> for the co-guys or just for Lourdes? Gurriel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the other guy. Well, I never know. You could be an equal opportunity type player. Uh, uh, player, you're not a player host. at all. Um, no. Stalling yeah, for time, that's what he's doing. <laughs> but no, no, I actually I do have it up. But uh, <laughs> I know that, Gur- that Guriel actually deserved to win. I thought that Trout probably did, but it's kind of hard to argue with hitting 465 with a 515 on base and a 767 slugging, including two home runs, one of which I think was a game winner. <laughs> it it certainly sounds good. Like if you if you just in a vacuum, that sounds like the player of the week right there. It sure does. I just think that. Trout hit like four home runs or something. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah, I mean, Gurriel was just an incre- he was incredible. Like, I mean, we've seen this from Lourdes Gurriel before, right? Like when he gets hot, he is really, really tough to get out. Yeah, it's it, it's curious that he he is that streaky. That you know, it's not a home run surge necessarily, but he's just really hard to get out. And then it's not so hard after a while. And I don't know what, how what what changes about the pitching to him or the approach um, to result in that. 
the crazy thing is, I think, wasn't he hitting like 260 at the beginning of the week? And he's up to like 300 now? Or he, he entered play today, I think, over 300. Um, he did, yeah. And he has a hit today yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's currently hitting 303. I feel like you need to do up your seatbelt every time this Blue Jays team takes the field because you're never 100% sure what direction the roller coaster is going to go. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, Greg, like to your point, how it's it feels like we haven't had people step up before because this Jays team is so young. I think part of the thing that's like exciting and engaging to fans is that you you feel like you can believe it a little more or, or that there's, you know, more good things to come because again, so many of them are just, they're younger and they haven't been in the league that long. So there's more to dream on than when, you know, Lourdes gets hot like this or, or even Teoscar, you know, he's having a, a monster season. There's more to be excited about that than, you know, when, when Joe panic has a, a hot couple of weeks or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> All I right. Think that's well put. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or, you know, as an example would say when Jonathan Davis takes his first professional at bat in like five or six <laughs> months and hits a home run, because why not? It seems like the oh, fun thing oh, to do. I was doing it. I was watching it and I saw <laughs> Davis hit the home run and I thought, well, you know, okay, hits around, you know, eight, nine in the minor leagues. But with the major league ball, maybe he's a 20 home run hitter. <laughs> There's just so much to dream on. <laughs> it takes perfect. Takes nothing. Um, we should probably now. Did you want to go into any more depth about Shaw and Rowdy, uh, Josh? Well, I mean, well, Shaw is kind of he's just been making a little better contact lately instead of swinging through middle middle fastballs, which is, he's good at that. Um, but Rowdy, he has reduced his strikeout weight rate and increased his walk rate. I mean, he he's talked about changing some, especially his two strike approach. He's he's actually looks like he's consciously going the other way a lot with two strikes, especially against left-handed pitchers. So he's more less susceptible to those sliders off the plate. And look, it's really, really, really small sample size that we're talking about here. But you know, like his overall numbers for the season are now quite good. I mean, you really can't ask for better than what he's done. So it's like. It's hard to complain with a 286, 349, 545 line, no matter what the cause of it. But it, it, when it comes with the increase in walk and decrease in strikeout rate, it's like pretty easy to dream on a bit more. Yeah, I, I think I another think... thing. Oh, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, I think another thing worth noting is last year, Tellus really struggled against righties in 283 plate appearances. He only hit 208. Um, and that's uncommon for him i think in the minor leagues he's obviously hit righties better than lefties like his his wrc plus against him last year was 80 he only slugged 420 and so i think what we saw last year was kind of a little bit fluky too and that he wasn't yeah. as bad as he looked last year at, at points too yeah I think, and i think that like his stats sorry greg i know you're going to say something but just quickly to follow that up his stats against lefties the year this year are a bit inflated he's got a 450 bat <laughs> you know he's got a 24% strikeout rate and he's hitting 346. So I think he's going to come down a bit, but he is finally producing against the righties. So he makes him a much more useful piece. Um, I was just going to say that we talk a lot about red flags um, in terms of guys striking out more than they should and not, you know, not having that. So to see someone go in the other direction, um, I, I think, you know, we put a lot of weight on those numbers when they're going the wrong way, when the walks are down and the strikeouts are up. I think we deserve to, to give Rowdy at least a chance to prove out that, that that's a real trend. 
Yeah. And he wasn't a huge strikeout guy in the minor leagues. And obviously that's very different than hitting in the major leagues. But um, yeah, he was, he was usually sitting under 20% uh, in terms of strikeout rate in the minors. And All right. there's no one better. So <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Dan Vogelbach, we hardly knew ye. Uh, okay. To the pitching. Justin Smoke's ears are burning. Uh, to the pitching Josh where shall we begin well I think we're recording this during the Yankees game the second one of the series where where, Tanner works tomorrow where Taewon Walker only went four innings after Ryu went five which was one of his shortest starts of the year but you know Anderson went what two innings three innings Rourke, four innings. Like th- this is ridiculous. The 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 work that's being placed on this bullpen. I mean, so shouldn't Yamaguchi had to come into this game that is going as we're recording this? He threw four innings three days ago, and he had to come in and the, because they couldn't get another starter out of the fifth inning. And I mean, Yamaguchi has been tremendous lately, which has really helped. But this bullpen is just getting so taxed by these starters habitually failing to get through five innings without throwing a hundred pitches. And where do you think the fault for that lies? Um, I think it lies on the starters not being able to get through <laughs> five innings without throwing a hundred pitches. But I mean, these guys don't time... have a history of being five and dive guys. Um, no, like, I mean, so, so like with Ray and Stripling, I mean, they were both really struggling before they came over to Toronto, right? So sure. when they struggled in their first two starts each or first start each in Toronto, it wasn't overly shocking. And Ray was a five and dive guy when he was good. And then, you know, Rourke in the AL East and Anderson, it was his first bad start. So he kind of gets a pass. He was just building up his workload. But like, you know, these guys just have to be better. Well, my question is, is there a point where, you know, Charlie Montoyo or Ross Atkins decide they want to give a longer look to someone like Merriweather or, you know, Kay or Baraki? Because they have looked so good out of the pen. And, you know, I mean, Kay especially, he, he's got like a four-pitch repertoire. Does it make sense to maybe, you know, flip him in a guy like Roark, given that one struggled and one hasn't? Yeah, I think it's tougher because Kay hasn't even thrown 50 pitches in an outing yet. Either, and Merriweather hasn't topped 40. Yeah. Or do you actually try and start Shen Yamaguchi? Yeah, uh, that I'd be in favor of, to be honest. I mean, I, well, they also have all these starters, so who knows which one he would knock out. But, you know, it's not working with some of them. And, you know, a part of it is at least in the early going was on Charlie Montoyo for, or Ross Atkins, depending on, you know, like it might've been an organizational strategy, you know, because they had all these relievers, all these bulk relievers. In fact, they were pulling guys at five innings before they went through the lineup a third time, but it's become a problem of late where they're just leaning on guys so heavily because the starters are getting knocked out in the third, the fourth, and then the aces are going five. And so it's like, that's where you get a situation where Yamaguchi is pitching on like very limited rest considering how much he threw. And that's why he pitched into the eighth inning against Boston. He took, he took over in the fifth and went five, six, seven, eight, even though he blew the lead. Because, uh, yeah. There or, was nothing he, else. Yeah. So it's, 
the, the starters just need to start being better. And the defense hasn't helped them, but it hasn't hurt them tremendously either. Fair enough. So we just, I mean, the, all you can do though is wait and see, right? Because you got to give Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling another go, and then you have to see if Chase Anderson was a fluke or if he's really. So now you're another full turn through the rotation before you've done anything about it. Yeah, I know. And on the flip side of this, like the bullpen has been tremendous. The job that they have done to keep the Jays in some of these games, like it can't really be overstated. I mean, Yamaguchi has been just sublime since his horrible start to the season, especially in this role of get us to the end of the game. And then Thomas Hatch has been tremendous in that same kind of role. Julian Merriweather, though he gave up three runs in his last outing or two outings ago, rather also been really good at this bridge role that they've needed so often. I think though, the, the more times through the rotation that the starters are only going, you know, five innings, the harder it's going to be on the bullpen. Like, I don't know if you guys saw Anthony Bass's tweet from a day ago, or maybe it was two days ago. It was a uh, great win. Does anybody have a body I can borrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, the, they're going to start to get real tired too. And then the pitching is going to be in a whole mess of trouble. If, if, you know, we start looking at a bullpen that's, that's tired and, and taxed. It's going to be hurt. That's the ultimate, you know, pushing it over the edge is, is tired guys get hurt more often. And that's, I mean, we could have Dr. Mike sign on to repeat that for me, but I don't think we have to. So that's ultimately the danger is you don't just lose a guy because he's, you know, out for a day because he's too tired. You lose him because he's for 10 days. And this is an ill time to afford to lose someone for 10 days. But, you know, we are where we yeah. are. Yeah, I'm going to change our order of we were going to talk about some of these things. At least there might be a reinforcement coming. Yes. The the one reinforcement that we all want to shorten the game by one inning <laughs> pretty much every time he goes out there. Ken Freaky yeah. Giles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, oh, thank God. It's well, imminent. Not, not to be the pessimist, but... Do you guys have any concerns that he might be slowly walking towards uh, elbow surgery? Because he is—he's been shut down now several times in the last couple of years. Um, it seems to be always elbow related. Hey, if he, forearm will, this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For, for forearm, which is another one of the uh, the Tom on the Tommy John bingo card. Um, Clearly not but, lo- located anywhere near your elbow. Your forearm. Ha ha. No, yeah. no, not at all. <laughs> the, the other one is triceps. Sometimes it's like the, the tricep is issues, but um well, yeah, he hasn't any, that one yet. Yeah. In in any case, I'm um I really want him to come back and be the you know the dominant Giles we we all expect. I'm just worried he's he's dealing with some kind of tear that you know maybe isn't going to get better with rest. Um or that's that's my fear, my anyway, my nervous I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible that that could happen, but there's not a lot of season left that they need him for. And if he can just go out and pitch them to the end of the month, like he did last year where he was, he was shut down and he came back and then, you know, was used not as often for the first bit and then he was used full time through, through the end. Even if, you know, because right now they don't need him to be the every close, every time closer. They've got Dolis and Bass who can do that just fine. But just another arm they can be relied upon yeah. that's not Wilmer Font, right? Like it's, it's, you should have a pitch every three days or something like that at the beginning. But, you know, if it's a dominant pitcher as opposed to 
Wilmer Font. Then, it comes out with a jersey that literally says not Wilmer Font on the back. <laughs> he would get a standing ovation if there were fans allowed. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just think that can be a huge help, especially because it doesn't sound, I mean, there's been no word on Romano even starting throwing much yet. And, you know, Shoemaker is actually on the road back and so is Pearson, but they're still probably a couple of weeks away at least for both of them. So, yeah, Giles could be big. Indeed. Let's talk about the other reinforcement on the uh, uh, around the plate, not around the mound. Yeah, I mean, you want to take the uh, the Nick? potential best player on this team, Nick? Yeah, sure. Uh, Bo Bichette played, I think it was five innings uh, last night as the DH in Rochester, and he was going to play some shortstop today. And so optimistically people are thinking he might be back by the weekend uh, or early next week, which yeah, Bo is their best hitter when uh, he went down with his injury. And I think a lot of people are expecting him to be the best, if not one of the better hitters on the team when he does come back. So that would be very helpful in lengthening the lineup. And, um, you know, we wouldn't necessarily need to play Joe panic as often if he, if he wasn't, riding a hot streak, which again is helpful because we've seen kind of the floor of panic I, performance I, I, earlier I think, on this season. I think perhaps Nick, you've glossed over who's actually playing shortstop tonight. Oh, Santiago. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I would, am I crazy? I would keep him on the roster over, over. Panic. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No? No. I think Santiago Espinal's biggest value is that he's actually a good defensive shortstop. And right. Jonathan VR and Joe Panic are not that. Like without question, they are not that. And right. so basically what they the conundrum they've had is they either have a slightly better hitter, although VR has been not very good with the Jays so far, um, or they have a better defender. Once they get Bo, they'll have a competent defense of shortstop who can hit. And then they can use VR, Panic, and Shaw in whatever way makes sense. Sometimes Biggio can go to the outfield. They play two of those guys, whatever, but it just gives them far more flexibility to adjust to the situations that they're in. I am I am I nuts, though, in, in saying that I think VR should be playing every day. Like, he's not... Um, he's not... Sorry, I was just getting FaceTimed there. I don't know if you heard that. But um, no, sorry, VR is, yeah, VR has had like three two-plus win seasons over the last four years. I know he's not a great defensive player, but I mean, offensively, he's he's definitely, I think, a step above what the Jays could be running out in, in guys like Panic and Shaw. Um, plus, there is the versatility. Yeah, I, 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 I just see him in Panic as pretty similar, and if at least Espinal has a he has like a skill that that VR doesn't, um, and Panic doesn't. In that, again, he's he's a good defender at the hardest position on on the diamond to defend at. Are you arguing against Joe Panic? There was that what that all came down to to play yeah, VR every day so. and ditch Joe Panic. Well, I think just if if what's gonna so, sorry not to say ditch Joe Panic, but what's going to happen when Bo comes back is they are going to need to clear. Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but clear a spot on the 40 man which not the not on the 40 man because bichette's not on the on the 45 day il they just need to clear a spot on the 25 28 oh, man yeah they'll need to clear a spot on the on the 40 man for giles to return 
Or right. did you just say that? I may have heard you wrong. No. I just assume you said Bichette. No, no. Um, yeah, so Jaws, because Jaws got put on the 45-day IL in order to add Caleb Joseph. So they'll need to DFA someone for him to come back, which I'm guessing will be Wilmer Font. I feel like that 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 guy with the big um, chalkboard with the the or the bulletin board with the pins and and the um, and the strings in it. <laughs> okay, so we're just gonna if you follow here. Okay, from the taxi squad, <laughs> this pin here represents the taxi squad. This is the forty man roster, and on this bulletin board is the forty five day IL. Everyone's it's clear. It's clear. Wilmer Font has to go. <laughs> um, Okay. I don't think we've solved anything there. Uh, yes, Nick, I think you're crazy. But that probably doesn't have anything, have anything to do with your opinion of Joe Panic. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are going to go talk briefly about a Charlie Montoyo decision. There we are. You know what this is? Anybody? Can, can anybody have flashbacks about this? It is the Unsolved Mysteries theme. Oh, yeah, that is what it is. I remember Way that Way back when. Briefly, and we will get to your do-over after, Josh. But briefly, Charlie Montoyo, um, in the sixth inning of a doubleheader, so really the second last inning, had the bases loaded, I believe the catcher up, and Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the bench. And he didn't pinch hit it. Why? I don't know. Cue the Unsolved Mysteries theme. Uh, everyone thought he was unavailable. Was actually, I believe it was Derek Fisher who was up. Oh, at the Fish. Time. Sorry. It was Fisher, who hasn't been hitting at all. Um, and is left-handed? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the bed. So everyone assumed that Vlad was unavailable. Until the seventh inning when he pinch hit Vlad in a much less favorable situation. Yeah, Vlad hit for the catcher in the seventh. What the hell, man? Um, <laughs> was that the only decision of the week? It was obviously the most egregious decision of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, the butting keeps happening. So, like, it's... And I thought that... I mean, they, so like this one, the the only thing that bugged me recently was sort of, you know, I, I understand it more in the context of what we talked about earlier, which is like needing to get innings out of guys. But like when Yamaguchi got them through seven or, you know, into the, into the seventh, eighth and ninth with a two run lead, it's like, okay, he's now he's facing the lineup again and you have your leverage relievers already go to them. Don't keep trying to get length when the game situation suggests you should not. But it worked, you know, he gave up one run in four innings. It's hard to really complain about that. It's just more that it's hard for any pitcher to throw four innings without giving up a run. It's like it wasn't a a, a thing on, on Yamaguchi. It's just the high leverage guys are there for a reason. Yeah, you keep wandering further and further down the razor's edge. Eventually, you fall off. Um, and I think that's what gets frustrating about Charlie Montoya is he just keeps playing out a strategy. Not necessarily that it fails every time. But when it fails, it's obvious that he seems to have learned that just because it succeeded previously, it should be continued to succeed. And it's like, no, no, sir. That's, <laughs> you're not playing the percentages. You're playing a very small example of something that you've done in the past. 
are are you are you less or more critical of Mr. Montoyo, uh, Nick? I think uh, about the same. Yeah, I mean, I think Vlad should have been hitting in that situation. I, Vlad's such a good contact hitter. Like, yeah, I, I don't know why he did that. Um, I think uh, Montoyo's justification uh, was. We're going to get to un- that. Oh right, 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 right. <laughs> yes, I feel the same. We are all flummoxed. Um, all right. Well, while we are flummoxed with our questions about the meaning of Charlie Montoyo's life, we will come back in just a few seconds with your questions about, uh, well, a little bit of everything, as they always are. We'll see you in a sec. And we're back. And, uh, yeah, questions about life, universe, and everything still pending. But not for you, loyal listeners. For you, you get answers. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? One day I will not air drum that. I will resist the urge, but I do every single time. <laughs> Tell us on Twitter if you also air drum the questions stinger. Uh, okay. First Using question. the hashtag TurfPod. <laughs> 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 Which I'm sure some, some grass company will hijack once again. Uh, Kate Stanwick, <laughs> OK Stan, uh, way back on September 4th, asked us, out of curiosity, and maybe this is a TurfPod question. Guess what, Kate? It it's a turf pod question now. Which current AL contenders would you not want to face in a three-game series? Josh, I'm going to give that to you first. You know, it's funny. Of all the teams that the Jays could face in the first round, or that, well, the Twins would be probably my preference just because their pitching isn't as quite as strong. But of the te- like, assuming that the top two in that division is Cleveland or the White Sox, I would rather face the Rays. <laughs> <laughs> which makes no sense given the Jays history, but I don't want to face any of Oakland, Cleveland, or Chicago, really. I think those teams are strong. By run differential, uh, they agree with you. Uh, Nick? Yeah, for me, I think I wouldn't want to face Cleveland because you're going to have to face Bieber, and then it, you know, it feels like you'll just be down a game. Uh, yeah, I'm a little less scared of of Oakland. Um, yeah, they were the next yeah, best. You, you think so? Yeah, I, I just feel like the next Oakland, best to face. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not as I'm not as worried about Oakland. I think uh, I, I, you know, it's so funny because this year we're we're talking about the playoffs and they've played 35 games. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm still like adjusting my brain to to the fact that like it's it's not going to be a hundred. 60 game season. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, in a short series, I like the Jays chances against, in, against a team like Oakland more, more so than Cleveland, where you've got like a dominant Cy Young pitcher at the top and, of the rotation. And the guys just, behind just shut them, you right? down. Well, then no, that's back, right. Like, yeah. yeah. Carrasco, Savali and Plesak, yeah. like any combination of those guys. So their pitching is just really, really good. Um, in regards to the shortness of the season, this is the Yogi Berra season, as in it get, it's, gets late early out here, Nick. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, I, I don't know, that's a tough, I, I try not to think about the Blue Jays playoff opponents, because then I have to think about the Blue Jays in the playoffs, and I began removing hair, like Josh stated earlier, and I need all I can get. 
Um, I, I definitely don't want to face Cleveland. Um, I don't want to face the Rays. Yeah, the White Sox are look like they're a powerhouse team on paper. So yeah, I think I agree with the Josh, except for the the Oakland thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's scary. Okay, next, Mark Gillis at Mark Double Underscore, I believe Gillis. Uh, does the success of guys like Kay, Hatch, Baraki, Merriweather, etc. this season mean we will see more starting pitching prospects start their MLB careers in the bullpen going forward? Nick, this one for you. Yeah, I think to kind of build off what, what I was saying about the, the playoffs is everything's so different this year because the season is so short. And my, you know, Josh, I'm curious and Greg, what you guys think, but my guess is if this was a more normal situa- situation that a lot of the guys that have been great in the bullpen would be in, in Buffalo on, on the AAA team, uh, you know, being stretched out so they could fill a void in the starting rotation. You know, if Tanner Roark kept giving up home runs or, you know, whatever else, somebody gets hurt. Um, so I, I think this is more a function of uh, this crazy season where there's no minor league season going on at the same time and people can't face live hitting like they would if they were in the minors more so than than a change in philosophy to kind of get these guys in the major league pen yeah and also with the expanded rosters too right yeah so yeah i completely agree i mean there's an old school of thought that you should break starters into the major leagues as relief pitchers but it's not really done that much anymore so yeah i mean i completely agree with you these guys would be working you know increasing their workloads facing hitters in the minors on the flip side, I believe both Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez started as relievers. So what do we know, right? Yeah, Stroman was a reliever yeah. for like a week. Yes, but, yes. <laughs> but nevertheless. Uh, well, yeah, well it, it, interestingly, Sanchez, he was throwing out of the pen when he came up and the Jays were in a playoff race. And I think that's something that could be possible. You know, if a guy like Merriweather was in the minor leagues and having a great season as a starter and it was September and the Jays needed a a boost to the bullpen, then I think it's potentially more likely that you'd see those guys maybe come up and contribute out of the pen. Although Sanchez, interestingly, so he came up in 2014 and dominated. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And that was just because, you know, his workload, he couldn't, he he wasn't going to come up as a starter, but he started 2015 in the rotation. Made 11 starts and then got hurt and he came back in the bullpen. But your general point, I think, is correct that you know, like it makes sense that if you got like what the Rays did with David Price back in the day, right? You've got this like a starting pitcher who's ready, but you know you don't want to throw him to the wolves. Just have him go throw fire out of the bullpen in the postseason. Um, BK at underscore BK UHN uh, underscore asks which of these and in brackets small sample <laughs> breakout bats would you expect to have the highest twenty twenty one. Uh, WRC plus a rating of overall offensive power. Uh, Rowdy Lourdes Grichuk. Uh, Josh, I think it's you first. So definitely not Grichuk because he had his two week hot streak and turned back into a pumpkin, which that's what he is. I mean, that's what he's done his whole career. And when will we learn? When yeah. will we learn? <laughs> next no, his, year. Uh, and then next year, we'll numbers. next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> next year, next year, next year. Yeah, well, I mean, it came with a change in approach, but guess what? Um, his final season numbers might end up like the, what they were two years ago, like a 300 on base, 500 slugging, which, again, really useful as a center fielder. But I think it's Lourdes because, you know, the breakout that that was referenced here 
is almost exactly like the numbers he put up last year and just a little bit better than he put up as a rookie. He can hit, and he's shown that he can hit in his entirety of his major league career. So I had to pick him over Rowdy, even though, despite what we said about Rowdy earlier in the show. Nick, your pick? Um, I think there is a, a chance that that it what Josh is saying about Lourdes is is correct. I just think also we should recommend or remember that like he has gone been set down to the minor leagues too twice in the last two years because of ineffectiveness and struggles. So as hot as, as Lourdes can get, we've also seen him get really, really cold too. Um, and so I'm a little more, I guess, I, I just like to see him do it for a little longer before uh, I get my hopes sky high on, on well, Lourdes. But um, this isn't anointing yeah. him. This was who was the most likely. Not <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. No, but I mean, again, in, in contrast, like has Telez had the same type of cold streaks as as Gurriel has yes yes <laughs> yeah we, absolutely we, we called it 2019 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know but in in my mind like to to bring it back to what we were saying earlier he had some fu- like funky splits and you know he still hits the ball really hard and yeah I I wouldn't be surprised I'm I'm gonna call it a, a tie between Tellez and Gurriel for who's who's most likely to break out Nick okay. just took a minute and a half to not pick a, a guy. Answer That's awesome. That's... <laughs> See, it takes a long time to climb up on top of that fence. Yeah. It's a high <laughs> uh, I'm on Team Lourdes. I just believe that the hit tool, uh, the consistency of of being able to make contact when he's in a groove has shown b- through better than either Rowdy or Grichuk a- a- over a longer period of time. So I'm 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 where you're at, Josh. Uh, Joe at Jokus 108. Uh, welcome to the turf pod. Uh, this crazy question. What is the best seven man bullpen constructed between the current Jays and the 2015 squad? Please tell me someone pulled up the 2015 roster before I asked that question. What do you need it for? There's only a few relievers from the 2015 team that would ever be relevant. That's, that's what I was thinking. Um, so I did mine without looking at the at the roster but so i'm gonna go with healthy giles aaron sanchez uh julian merriweather anthony k osuna romano and then i was gonna say brett cecil cecil's gotta be in there him and uncle charlie have to join they don't they only count as one player but yeah i mean how can you (laughs) not how can you not have the absolute best curveball ever uh in there yeah so my thinking with that setup is you've got some back of the like closers you've got between k and cecil you've got lefties between k and merriweather you've got guys who can give you length if you need and uh and there's not a slop thrower in the mix (laughs) so i I didn't hear you did you say osuna you cut out for a sec there yes he did oh sorry okay Okay. yeah 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 i mean mine would be similar um I might drop K and go with Dolis. He's sleepy Dolis, but he's really useful. <laughs> but otherwise, I think like I think the other six, it's hard to do better. Maybe Mark Lowe instead of Dolis. But I mean, I think that's it. All right, I forgot about Mark Lowe. Well, Mark Lowe was not bad, but he was better before he got to the Jays than after he got to the Jays. So. And we're not even uh, using Thomas Hatch, who's been unbelievable. <laughs> out of nowhere. 
All right, yeah, we we love uh, we love making up the best of bullpens because it's it's hard to go wrong when you got two two good seasons. Uh, okay, Andrew Arnold at Arnie underscore twelve, uh, longtime listener. Andrew, um, if the Jays end up making the postseason, doesn't Montoyo need to be in contention for Manager of the Year award? I feel like uh, the troll picture that Andrew was originally going to use has uh, that's that's not the one that's showing up with. Uh, his Twitter bio here, but I'm sure he'll fix it. Before- <laughs> <laughs> so he, he texted me this beforehand. Like this, so John Heyman, he had to text us me because Heyman blocked me 10 years ago. <laughs> to put a, Heyman put out a tweet, quote, manager of the managers of the years to this point are obvious has to be Charlie Montoyo and Don Manningly. And he said, Montoya's Jays lost 95 last year. Don't have their home and have serious injuries. This is the nonsense of the Manager of the Year award. It's 100% who won more games than we thought they would before the season. That's who always wins the award. So we'll yeah. tell you probably will win, <laughs> which is going to be really funny. Um, the question, of course, is, is Don Mattingly managing the Marlins right now? Yeah. Why Don Mattingly? The Marlins are a 500 team. Ooh. <laughs> I say the Marlins are in a playoff spot and they were supposed to lose, you know, 45 games. But again, like a playoff spot means something different this year. Yeah, but the point is this is the stupidity of the award. It's gonna it's still gonna be a thing that people vote for. I think it'll be actually the Padres manager, the greatly named Jace Tingler. But either way, uh... it's still a stupid award because the, the things that people vote based on are just nonsense. Okay, and our final question. Kevin Chase at Kevin Chase 4. Is Gary Sanchez the next Chris Davis? Now, I'm going to give full credit, as Josh pointed out, to Scott Langenfeld, who responded with, worse, at least Davis played a good first base. <laughs> Before turning it over to you, Nick, is Gary Sanchez uh, has the, the bloom come off the rose permanently? Well, as... As somebody, you know, who follows and roots for the Blue Jays, it would sure help them out if if that was the case. But, I mean, yeah, a, a bad 10, 15-game stretch in a regular 162-game season, you, we wouldn't even be talking about Sanchez struggling. Um, and, you know, the Yankees are under a lot of pressure right now. They haven't played well in, in this, you know, tiny sample of a season that is 2020 that makes things kind of look worse than they are so i'm i'm i don't know the jury's not out for me yet on sanchez he has so much power um yeah the jury, the jury he had 34 is, home runs last year <laughs> yeah the jury's still out not not out but anyway uh yeah i i feel like i feel like if we gave up on every guy who hit 126 danny jansen would be on on uh somebody else's roster right now oh but that's that's another player though to bring him up like you know, I, I saw on Twitter someone asking, should we give up on Danny Jansen? And I I was, like, flabbergasted by it. I mean, he's so young. I mean, he's still walking a lot. Yeah, it's it's just so early. And, and as a note, Sanchez hit those 34 home runs. I just pulled it up in 106 games. He didn't even yep. bat 450 times. Yeah, he's still really, really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not having a good time, but he's really good, we think. Okay. Just not as a catcher. 
yeah, so um, we are going to get back around to Mr. Unsolved Mysteries himself, Charlie Montoyo. Um, I think I need to obviously introduce this as the thing that it, it should be, which is... Uh... Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. Oh. <laughs> what do you do it all over again? Okay, so we often, we speculate, why did Charlie Montoyo do that? And it turns out, Josh, maybe we don't want the answer. No, (laughs) I definitely do not want the answer this time. So this is the full quote on why Fisher was allowed to hit. It was a righty-lefty thing, so like there was a right-handed pitcher on the mound, fine. Although Vlad is a better hitter against righties than lefties, and has been since he came up. But, quote, Fisher was a good matchup, and we thought he had a chance to hit that guy. That's why we left him to hit. That's the main reason. If he just stopped there, fine. Like, he'd be acceptable, even if we don't agree with it. But, <laughs> then he continued. We were talking before the game. Quote, he's got a chance to hit a home run today. We had that feeling. He just didn't do it. Oh, well, that's just a shame. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, did he promise some kid in a hospital that he was going to hit a home run for him or something? Like, where did that come? He has a chance to hit a home run today. What is that? Well, thus one must infer that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did not have a chance to hit a home run today. Isn't that damning? Yeah. <laughs> That's not nice at all. My God, man. Like... There's millions of dollars at stake over the course of a season in all kinds of ways, no matter how you measure um, a Major League Baseball season. And and we had a feeling because we had a chat. It, it just doesn't cut it. And then to admit that as your best, very best reasoning, that the whole, your whole analytics department is standing behind you waiting for when you've stopped having feelings and decide to actually, you know, play the real numbers. Yep. And like, I don't know how much of this is just that Charlie Montoya likes to talk and he says dumb stuff because he does do that. Right. And like his post game comments are a legend on this show. Now (laughs) So the season's only been like six weeks long, but it's just not what you want to hear. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, I mean, the do-over is just to stop, stop one sentence earlier, just, every. <laughs> yeah, just stop it. That's why we did it. <laughs> like, yeah. just stop right there. <laughs> That's a, it's a complete answer, Charlie. We don't need to get any more in-depth information. Uh, yeah. Come on the show, answer all of our questions with one sentence answers that don't delve into the, your deeper reasoning, and we'll never talk about this again. Okay. So, I think that covers us off for all of the really important topics. Um, I'm going to turn to you for your final thought, uh, Josh, first. Obviously, because I need Nick for to give him time to compose his final thought. Oh, whoops. Something seems to have happened there. <laughs> I've got mine now if, if you want me to lead off to. No, no, I, I think we're ready for Josh's final thought. Yep. Nice lead in. Out of my fingers. Oh, I, I don't know. know where this is going. <laughs> Blue Jays are running the bases. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you see them? Wow. I can see them. It's <laughs> He's going for third. Jays, 
This is the sound of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looking for just one more base. Or Jonathan VR, who knows which base he's looking for. Whether to give up the one he's already on, go to the next one. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) I remember, like, they did it in the end of the Orioles series. And people were like, oh, man, this is bad. And then the very first game of the next series against the Marlins, they got thrown out on the bases four times. <laughs> 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 the two of them were VR in his first appearance as a Blue Jay. Um, and then it's just, it keeps happening. Um, they just need to get, be smarter. I, I don't I don't know what the reason is. I, they, they, there's a lot of excuses making is like they're young, but these are the things you're taught when you're younger than they are. <laughs> And this team has no problem advancing runners via. It has less problems than like eighty percent of the Blue Jays teams I've ever watched. So I do not know what the obsession is with trying to get that extra base all on your lonesome while not just waiting for the next guy in line to either hit a single or walk. We yeah. don't get it. It's just insane. All right, we're gonna turn him up just a little bit, just just to say goodbye to all of the wacky base running. Ah, yes. <laughs> I have a feeling that's not the last time I'm going to use that. Um, Nick, what is your final thought? Uh, my final thought is I'm very curious as how the September weather in Buffalo is going to kind of affect uh, the game on the field. Uh, I was watching earlier tonight, and I saw both Gary Sanchez and Danny Jansen drop pop-ups behind home plate that looked like they were kind of swirling in the wind quite a bit. Uh, I saw Randall Gritchick make a catch in center where he was kind of moving all over and very unsure of like where the ball was drifting. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious uh, because this is going to be the first Blue Jays playoff, you know, playoff drive where um, they're not playing at the Rogers center um, and they're going to be outdoors and the wind's going to be glo- blowing off the lake. And I'm curious to see if, uh, yeah, if that does anything to to the team on the field. Sounds like Nick needs to go back and watch the 1985 playoffs all over again and see what's up. <laughs> <laughs> In ye old exhibition stadium. Yeah. Yep. Hey, none of us even talked about the uh, the second duo we were going to give. Unless, Greg, oh, you, I for, forgot you get a chance first for a final thought. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one. It's uh, batting average on balls in play. Something weird is going on with batting average on balls in play. Um, even though we're only halfway through the shortened season, as it were, um, the Cincinnati Reds as a hitting team. Now, sorry, batting average on balls in play or BABIP, 300 has been pretty much the standard through all eras of baseball, regardless of what's happened to the pitcher's mound. When you put the ball into the field to play, about 30% of the time, it's a hit. It just kind of averages out that way. The Cincinnati Reds this season have a 237 batting average on balls in play over 1,446 plate appearances. Conversely, as a pitching team, the, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals have a, what was it, 244 batting average on balls in play? Um... Sorry, 226 batting average on balls in play. Now, that's only over 274 innings, but the Dodgers are at 244. There's no real way that 
I can think of logically that you can just magically have the ball end up in in the glove more often. I even with the increasing strikeout rate, it has tweaked it by like two or three percent each year. But these numbers are absolutely abysmally horrible, and it doesn't make any sense. Should I play the okay. unsolved mysteries theme again? Is that would that help? The... <laughs> sure, go for it. Take us out with that. Oh, did I? No, I closed the tab. I was trying not to confuse myself. Um, did okay, you have well, a final, a final, final thought, Josh? No, or... I just thought it was funny that we didn't even bring up the nonsense of the Yankees complaining about the lights in that ten-run Blue Jays inning, which we didn't even talk about, which is an amazing comeback and really, really fun. But, uh, well, uh, we can we can definitely finish with a ten-run inning. So, uh, two thousand ten a game in which Jose Bautista hit his 43rd home run of the season on his way to 54 was the last time the Blue Jays scored 10 runs in an inning, literally a decade ago. There you go. And they did it against the Yankees in September of a a pennant race. We're going to ignore that September is the sixth week of the season. It's September of a pennant race against New York. (laughs) And then the Yankees were complaining about the lights and not being able to see the signs. And Adam Ottavino sort of hinted that the Jays knew what was coming. Like, what are the uh, cutouts sending up signs in white shirts? The the craziest thing to me, whenever there's this discussion around stadium stuff, aside from sign stealing, obviously, is everyone's playing on the same field. Like, why was the Jays would have had as difficult a time seeing as the Yankees? But the craziest thing is that they were talking about how they couldn't see the signs from the catcher as though that somehow led to the Jays being able to crush the pitches they threw. <laughs> there's, there's no connect between those things. They still threw the pitch. And if anything, bad lighting would make it harder to hit. So it was just the stupidest complaint ever. And there was a thing that right way back, like this deserves a gold star. We're not doing it, but Way back when the Jays officially announced they were playing in Buffalo, Kevin Biggio was saying, like, hey, it could be an advantage. Like, the Yankees are going to come in here, and they'll be like, it'll be not used to playing in a minor league stadium, and they might have problems. <laughs> Good on <laughs> you, Kevin Biggio. Oh, man. All right. So it is a wild and crazy world when things are going well for the Blue Jays. So we hope to come back to you um, soon with more about how great the Blue Jays are doing. I shall conclude this as I usually do by saying uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and uh, you have been of course uh, Nick Dyka and Nick Dyka and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and this has been Artificial Turf Forest episode number 182 and we'll talk at you next week <laughs> <laughs>